You're listening to the Saturday Morning RPG Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Solution Gaming. Hello, Lucian. How are you today? Wow, I love that cadence. I am great today. Oh, How are you today? I, I mean, <laughs> they call me... Jordan, the silent PH cadence. That's my full name. Yes. Like he's great cadence. Yeah. It's uh, uh, danger. Yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> it is danger. Yes. <laughs> danger is my middle name. Um, hello, everybody. Welcome. Uh, we have a lot of news to talk about. We weren't here last week, um, which is probably why we have a lot of news. If you're just joining us, we talk a lot about uh, role-playing game news and the games that we play and lots of other stuff. It's kind of casual and a little fun. Um, I am a little stuffed up. Thank you for <laughs> noticing, chat. Uh, we have so much like dust in the air, and I think allergies because it hit eighty degrees, and all of the trees decided to spew it's forth time. their their pollen, um, which is the kryptonite of Jordan's. He's a mm-hmm. he's a gentleman that likes to stay inside, away from the pollen. Um, but unfortunately, that is not what we do. So. Uh, yeah, I, I will, I will sally forth though. I will press on. I will do all of those things that I feel like you live in the land of outdoorsy people though. Like when I I think of where you live, that seems to me like where outdoors people go to live, you know, and (laughs) I like outdoorsy stuff too. And actually we were thinking of going kayaking today. Uh, and we might still do that because it's very warm. I just need sunscreen and Benadryl to get me through the day because <laughs> i i also like outdoorsy stuff uh but actually we were talking about it and my wife was like well maybe i'll just go kayaking and you can like read on the beach and i was like yeah i could read a book that'd be nice <laughs> so um I've got all kinds of ttrpgs to read yeah. i have so many to read and uh i was rereading index card rpg because that one's really good and i think i need so to good. i think i need to run that i was like you know i have all of these games like uh, I, I wouldn't say that I'm bored with D&D 5th edition, but I am excited to play other systems to the point where mm-hmm. I was reading Wild Beyond the Witchlight. And I'm like, what if I run this, but with index card RPG? Like, that just feels like it would be really cool. But um, and then speaking of new RPGs, uh, Critical Role uh, announced that Par- Darrington Press, which is their in-house publishing company, um, is building a deck building game and uh, a, like a board game that they're releasing and two new RPGs, um, which is pretty substantial. I think there was another RPG back in the day that they were working on and it had a code name and I don't remember it, but it never saw the light of day. And I think that this is the transition of that. Like they were working on that and then they kind of, I don't know, worked on it further and now it's two different rpgs but the first one is a rules light d6 system for uh i think they they call it like single arcs but it's kind of like maybe like one or two sessions probably minimal level ups just kind of i want to tell this cool story here's a bunch of d6s go uh probably going to be based off of i don't know uh core d6 because that's open (laughs) but who knows (laughs) if i don't know we don't we literally know nothing about it um, we do know two facts that I dug up go, when you go put ahead. that in our notes. So one, I believe the name of it will be Illuminated Worlds. Yes. And it's the people that are designing it are Strauss Akamovic and Lila 
Adelman, or Adelman, uh, and it is designed for multiple genres, short one shots or shorter story arcs, like you said. Yeah, and is that the the one of those people? I think is the one that made Alice is missing. I could be uh, wrong. Oh, that could be. I should look that up. I um, was wondering. That was my question: Is do you know who these people are? Because I've watched Critical Role and I've never heard these names. No, before, they so I don't they know hired people. Yeah. Or... Um, because uh, the longer one, I think Banana Chan is working on the other one that they're working on. So the second one is called Dagger Heart, and this is a long arc fantasy of some unknown type. Uh, it's going to be a fantasy RPG, D20 based, but we also don't know anything about this. But it that is the one that everyone's like, like, oh my gosh, is Critical Role going to kill D&D? Uh, and I'm like, I don't think, no, 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 they will never kill D&D. But we were, we were talking about or I was talking with some friends, like, I don't know if you listen to the Adventure Zone. That's another big uh, actual mm-hmm. play. And when the Adventure Zone switched from D&D to Monster of the Week, apparently Monster of the Week sold out almost instantly. Like, people were like, oh, what's this? And so they have the the fan bases listening there. And if those people tell them to do something, they will do it. You know, mm-hmm. like if Critical Role is like, go buy this, like they're going to go buy it. So regardless, these games are going to do well. The big question is, will Critical Role permanently switch over to Dagger Heart at some point? And just everything is their own internal RPG, their characters, everything, they own it all kind of a thing. Uh, but also with the... Now, 5e core rules being in, um, being out in the open like that, uh, I think there's no reason to. Like, you could still play D&D and just make it your own flavor of D&D. And maybe that's what Daggerheart is. Maybe it'll be their version of 5e. Who knows? So. Yeah, the only thing I saw, it said it was a new fantasy role-playing game. So it definitely sounds like that's the genre yeah. for it. Brand new rule system is the words they've used. So... You could interpret that many ways. I also heard both games will be previewed and along with demos this year at Gen Con. Yep, they're going to be at Gen Con, not doing a live show, which a lot of people were upset about because that's kind of what they were famously known for doing at Gen Con. But this is more of a business Darrington Press, like, hey, and they're going to show off these two things. I definitely am curious, especially about the D6 system because I like those. Uh, So we'll have more information probably leading up to Gen Con, if not at Gen Con. So... Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm I'm interested to look at it because I, I love looking at the new mechanics. I love the idea that more people are taking a shot at mechanics. Me and you talk about mechanics all the time because yeah. there's been a lot of work on it in the past. There's been lots of people who have built lots of cool things, but there's all, the community's never been bigger, full of more creative people than ever. So they're obviously going to come, somebody's going to come up with something new and innovative that we've never seen at some point and just like, wow, that's so cool. So I'm, I'm excited to be there when we see those kinds of things. Yeah. I, and, and they have, uh, they have good people working on this. So I think it's, it's important to point out like, uh, you know, it's, it's critical role. It's Darrington press. And I'm sure Matt Mercer has some like hands in it, but like the point is, is I don't think he's, I think he's a storyteller and a performer. I would be mm-hmm. curious how I know he did the Blood Hunter, but I would be curious about him as a designer. And also, he doesn't have the time. Like if he's doing all these other things, he probably doesn't have the time to design it. 
but they did the smart thing and they got really cool, awesome designers that are working on this yeah. with them. And I think he's still um, so. super active voice actor for because I still yeah. hear his voice. He was Ganon. In tons or something. of games I play <laughs> and tons of anime I play, you know, or watch. So he's still super active in that field too. Um, but yeah, I was looking up job. Banana Chan worked on. I just know her from an. I listened to a podcast I love about that name. her. Yeah, she's really <laughs> cool. She uh, she worked on Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Apparently, the Dune RPG, uh, Sea Very of Legends, cool. Warrior's Edge, and she's done a lot of indie stuff that she's created. She was a contact writer for Kids on Bikes. Um, so, like, I Super I just think there. she's really cool, mostly because I saw her in an interview, or I, I listened to her in an interview, and I'm like, you're very mm-hmm. outspoken and smart. I like you. And so it was kind of fun. <laughs> um, and I was excited to see her name tied to it. Uh, Beetle and Grimm's released another um, one of their, their releases, and this one was a little different. It's Keys from the Golden Vault. And so it's all the props and stuff you need to kind of run some of those adventures from Keys of the Golden Vault. But I think this is the first one where they didn't include the adventure. And so uh, full full disclosure here, like Beetle and Grimms, they sent me the Dragonlance one. And I thought we were one and done. But then all of a sudden, this uh, Keys from the Golden Vault showed up. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm like flipping through it. And I'm like, well, where's the adventure? And then I went looking on their website and they were like very clear at the bottom, like this does not clue the adventure. We're trying something new. So now I have all of these extra materials to run keys from the golden vault, but I don't actually have keys from the golden vault. Um, I thought that was interesting. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. kind of the point for me was to also get the adventure, but I, I wonder if they're trying to make it cheaper. I don't know. than the like $300 price point they usually have. Interesting. Yeah. Why wouldn't you, include the adventure um it's still a hundred dollars for all these props and it's mostly like letters and puzzles and stuff that you can hand out to your your players uh but man if they can get that price point down i think they're at a like a hundred dollars for this and the adventure i think that's that's the price point like i want to pay fifty dollars for an adventure and fifty dollars for awesome extra stuff um, mm-hmm. but it seems like they always like get into the two or 300 range when it's like, here's the adventure and this. So, uh, I'm curious if there will be another version of this. Cause they always have their, like, this is the silver edition of, of Eberron. This is the gold edition of Eberron or something. Um, and I wonder if they'll do another edition that will be, here's the adventure along with, um, extra stuff, but. Uh, look for a flip through of that at some point. Again, my house is in disarray, so I've I've had a hard time making videos. But uh, I I plan to flip through it at least. Uh, I haven't read Golden Vault though. That was the one I didn't buy because it was like the OGL debacle, and I just wasn't interested. I didn't buy Candlekeep either because of the same thing. I didn't want like a bunch of little stories. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, the Orc license is requesting feedback from Paizo. This is kind of older news. Uh, and the Orc license is the OGL replacement that Paizo is creating. It's going into a trust, so it won't be able to be manipulated by future Paizo employees and things like that. Kind of like um, the uh, uh, the Linux Foundation, where it's like Linux mm-hmm. is like tied into this thing; it can't be messed with. Um, but I wanted to ask you, this is kind of, I guess, a topic of conversation, but now that we have the, the OGL, or now that we have Creative Commons, like, we won. The, 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 the players won. They got what they wanted. All this stuff is now free in Creative mm-hmm. Commons. 
do we need an orc license? Like, mm. they're trying to tell us that we do, but I, I was reading it. I'm like, I don't think we need this anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> not if it's creative commons, right? Because that's where it's truly public. And it's not just we own it, but we're letting you use it. It's like we're saying we don't even... We don't own it. Anymore. It's public public stuff. Anymore. Yeah. Anybody can and do you it. do have yeah, to give so like a, a little snippet like, hey, this was taking Creative Commons thing at the end. Um, yeah. And Paizo's saying that, well, if other people want to put stuff into the ORC license, then it's available for other people to use in the ORC license. But as a, if I was a company and I'm writing something, I'd be like, well, I'm either going to put this stuff into Creative Commons or I'll do a, a different section that it's like, you can borrow from this. But the whole point of the OGL is not just taking Wizards of the Coast stuff, but other people could put stuff into the OGL. So you kind of have this amalgamation to take from. But mm-hmm. now it's all open. So it just doesn't feel, I don't know. It's kind of weird. We'll we'll see where it goes. They're not going to like close it down, I don't think. They're just going to it's going to be out there, but I I'm, I'm curious how many companies will use this license. So, yeah. Well, and I heard that they're it's in the notes there too, but their um their revision books that they're putting out has all of the orc license lingo in it and it's taken out all of the OGL stuff they used to have in it. Right. And that's the other thing so. is uh they announced they're doing Pathfinder second edition remastered. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that'll be four books that are in their claiming a good jumping on point for new players, which kind of makes sense. There's lots of books. Where do I start? I don't know. Maybe it's a good idea, but it's also a way for them to reprint the books without the OGL in it anymore. And mm-hmm. so they're going to just move forward with all proprietary stuff in-house orc license things like that or public domain things so uh yeah they don't these companies are i mean they don't want to get messed up by you know and no. <laughs> uh i know like i've been reading dying earth stuff that stuff still has the ogl license in it so i don't know what mm-hmm. goodman games is doing if they're if they're like well that was how we were planning on it but all future projects will not do this I know they signed up to be a part of the Orc license when Paizo announced it, but um, that was all like before it went into Creative Commons. And now that yeah, it's it just... it took about a yeah. month and a half, almost two months for that to really go through the process, right? So at that point, those companies are thinking about all their Kickstarters that are coming up. They're thinking about all their products they're going to release and they go into panic mode that was like early February, right? When, when it just drops the bomb and they have to really rearrange everything. So I imagine they put a lot of time and work into it. So even though a month and a half later, it kind of resolves, they've now put in so much work during the unknowns and uncertainty of that month that they just, we're just going to go ahead and go through with it. There's no reason not to use that work now would be my guess. Well, and chat made a good point too, where they said, um, Goodman Games and Dying Earth and DCC, they're using the third edition SRD, OGL stuff. Mm -hmm. They're not using the fifth edition. And technically, it's just the 5e that went into Creative Commons. Even though Wizards said that they wanted to, like, add the third edition one in there as well, because they're like, why not at this point? And then a lot of people were asking about the fourth edition one, which I would really like to see. I think that would be really cool. 
Um, but they, they're like, well, we have to have like lawyers look at it and stuff. And I'm like, you didn't for 5e though. You just dumped it in there. Like, I feel, I feel like you're, you're like, well, we gave you too much. And so we're going to hold back a little bit, but who knows? I don't know. Um, it, it was, uh, it was a month though of chaos. (laughs) The the OGL wars. It was kind of interesting. The OGL wars. But regardless, I'm curious about this and, uh, I personally don't think we need the orc license, but I'm also not a publisher, so we'll see where it comes. You know, I know a lot of the OSR community um, and all of those people that do indie games on like itch and stuff. A lot of them are like this section's Creative Commons, this section's not, or like you are freely able to adapt this page into a new game or to write a, a not a system but a setting or an adventure for. Um, Mm -hmm. because that's the problem with, not the problem, but that's one of the things about RPGs is that you can write a system, but you also have to have some kind of, uh, modules for it. And usually Mm -hmm. the community writes modules for you. And if the community can't sell modules, they're not going to write modules for you. So, yeah. And the underlying basis of this product is a game where a dungeon master game master could design their own world. And you're encouraged to do that, and that's a, a norm, and the rules support that. But we also give you the modules and stuff for those that want to save some, some time or they want to be able to get some inspiration or whatever. But it, at its core, it's meant to be a tool for letting people be creative. So to limit that creativity in any way, you're kind of going against what the whole core of it is. You know? Yeah, to be able to, to sell it, I guess, because you could always create yeah. stuff, but yeah. Um, but you're right. The whole game is about like co co-creation and collaboration and imagine you know, so yeah. yeah. Um, D and D, uh, wizards of the coast, they're, they're releasing these new players handbook and monster manual and dungeon master's guide. And we knew that the player's handbook, there was a UA we'll talk about it in a little bit that came out. Um, mm-hmm. and the, Monster Manual is going to have 500 monsters. They keep talking about it's the biggest monster manual ever. And I'm like, Dungeon Denizens just did their 500 monsters. So I'm like, are you taking a key Paizo's from them? Paizo's book yeah. is 500 monsters. Uh, oh, is Paizo's revised. book 500 monsters? So there you go. Yeah. I, I think for the they're... revised one. Yeah. The remastered. Um, and so these will be... They keep... They're very serious that this is 5e. They're like, it's just 5e. It's just 5e. But it's a revised kind of version of the of the thing. Uh, so Chris Perkins did a video on the revised Dungeon Master's Guide, which I found very insightful um, because the DM Dungeon Master's Guide has become just uh, where are the magic items. And I don't think yeah. a lot of people use it for uh, maybe what its intended purpose is, which is like adventure creation or uh, I don't yeah, know, like a lot design. of things. and. And here yeah. are the skeletal structure of the D&D universe. Like, I use it a lot when it's like, here's the Feywild. Here's this. Why do we have these? Because there's adventures that involve this kind of mythology. And here are a mm-hmm. list of all of the planes and things like that. So they very much were talking that they're going to reorganize it so people can find things easier. It'll be like, here's how to have an adventure. Here's how to uh, craft a campaign. Here's how to like quickly put together a night of D and D, and a lot of that stuff's already in there. I think they just need to better organize it and make it easier to uh, to flip to. Um, 
But one of the things I thought was interesting is they want the Dungeon Master's Guide to be a, a book at the table as opposed to your, like, prep book. And do you find yourself thinking that you're going to start using the DMG at the table? Like, I'm trying to think of mm. what would be in it that other than magic items. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and in that, I, I again, like, when they, I listened to that interview, too, and there were some things that I thought were super telling about it because one, he kind of admitted that they were writing three books at the same time. They wanted to nail player's handbook. They wanted to get, they had a lot to do with the monster book. And he kind of said, we might not have did a, as good a job as we could have on the dungeon masters. Like it was the third of the, of the trio. Yeah. That got the least amount of kind of thing. And then he said the greatest thing, he says, if you're a new dungeon master and you open that book, you go to page two or three where chapter one starts. It starts you with, let's build an entire universe, campaign, world, world, and just throws you right into the deep end of, whoa, I'm brand new. I don't yeah. think I need to design a campaign world yet. What I need to know is how do I run this brand new game that I'm excited about and I've got some friends to come over, but I need to get through a night or two and I need to understand how it works. Yeah. And then I can let my creativity go with, I'm going to build a world and all this other stuff. So I kind of thought that made sense when he started talking about it. So I always like when they talk about their, their mental process and how they want to go back and revise things. And now they've learned those lessons. And that's, I think that's just telling. Cause I did, when I wanted to come back to D and D five, all my friends were playing 3.5 still four was out. They all refused to play four. Five had just come out had been out for maybe a couple of months. I went to uh, Walden Books or I went to one of the bookstores to buy the book because that's where you bought TTRPGs <laughs> at the time for me. And I thought, I see the books there and I'm like, well, if I want to play Dungeons and Dragons, I should get the Dungeon Master Guide because it's going to have the rules. I bought it, took it home and realized there's almost no rules in there for me yeah. to understand how to play the game. And I, I was like, I was disappointed. Now, when I did stop and read the stuff that was there, it was super interesting for what it was, but I actually went and made the mistake of thinking, if I want to learn how to play this game, I should buy the Dungeon Master Guide, and it didn't help me. I needed the Player's Handbook if I was going to learn. To be a Dungeon Master, I needed the Player's Handbook more than I needed the Dungeon yeah. Master's Guide. And I think that's important. Like, I, I wish we would rename the Player's Handbook. It should be like, like core game monsters and then game master assistance you know like because like the game master assistance still probably needs the core game and the monsters you know but if you're just playing you probably just need the core game yeah um yeah i i i also really liked that he said a lot of times that people he brings stuff up about the dmg they say that's in there you know and so it kind of right. alludes again to how do we organize this and yeah. What you were saying, like, don't just start with building a whole universe. Like, every bit of advice I've ever heard is start small. Like, you're, you, where do you want your adventure to take place? A forest? Okay, they're in a forest. Let's build a forest. And then mm -hmm. from that forest, let's build a nearby kingdom. And then from that kingdom, let's build an island. And, oh, now you're a continent. Now you're a planet. Now you're a universe, you know. Uh, there's no reason to start with the... <laughs> the great wheel cosmology and how it all interacts yeah, with your build world your calendar although that's fun yeah, yeah calendars like day night cares. cycles yeah. of moons yeah so if you want to create your own world like i i they do need to redo it so um but it'll mm -hmm. be interesting i think it'll be 
Uh, I think it'll be fun. We'll see. It's the one I'm most excited about. Like, I'm not as excited about the Monster Manual or the PHB, but after watching that video, I'm like, I really want this 2024 Dungeon Master's Guide. I think that'll be cool. Mm -hmm. So, They did use that term a lot, too. You just mentioned it. The 2024 books, whatever the title was. So I thought that was an interesting... That sounds to me like that's going to be their marketing push. Whether the community adopts that or calls it something else, we'll find out. But they were in those videos pushing... In the 2024 Dungeon Masters Guide, Jeremy Crawford kept saying, you'll see this and this. You know? yeah. And I was just like, okay, you that's know, interesting. With the changes in the player's handbook from the Unearthed Arcana, I can't see people calling this um, anything else but 5.5. Because if you roll up to the table and you're like, hey, I've got my you know 2014 player's handbook, they're going to be like, oh, you have 5th edition. We're play- that's fine. If you want to play a character from that, you can. We're playing 5.5, so we're going to be a little more powerful than you. And you're gonna- and they're going to be like, oh. And like, and we get feats at every other level, and you don't. So, again, if you want to play that, it works. Uh, yeah. And I think that'll be the problem, is like, you know, the-, the mechanics of like an action, a bonus action will all be there. But it'll just be not as powerful because reading this new stuff like you're very powerful there's even a huge jump from original player's handbook and then incorporating the tasha's changes like Mm -hmm. yeah i think people will call it 5.5 yeah i well here i would i would suggest to the community let's all be contrary and let's call it 5.75 or (laughs) 5.25 or (laughs) 5.12 yes (laughs) 5.24, because uh, it came out in 24, we got it. Pre-alpha, you know, yeah. <laughs> there you go, 5.24. It, it works, I like that. Or could we call it advanced 5e? Let's no. go back to the old no. school. Basic We're never expert, doing that. Expert 5e. <laughs> expert 5e. Let's do expert 5e. You can get two different box sets. And that would make the one before that basic 5e. Yeah, there you go. Oh my God, branding genius <laughs> right here. Um, April... Fools, Goodman Games on their podcast <laughs> did, yeah, we're releasing Advanced Dungeons Crawl Classics, and I was laughing so yeah. hard. I thought it was really funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, three new books coming out. They they keep referring them to the 2024 books. We'll see what we refer to them as. We don't know yet. Which means they must be coming in 2024, yeah. <laughs> which makes sense. They are. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Pathfinder. Oh, Arby's released dice that sold out instantly, thanks to bots. Um, my friends were trying to get some. I didn't see the appeal, but I also, I, a lot of people were like, it's just for the, the jokes, for the lols. And I'm like, yeah, still don't care enough, dice. but that's me. I don't know. It just felt weird that everybody so wanted these Arby's you could go to dice. Arby's and get them? You had to order it? Darn. They were online. Yeah, you had to order it online. Oh, I was hoping they were at the Arby's. I was, I was hoping they were, they should have been at the stores. And then you get people going yeah. to the stores, but they, uh, they sold out within seconds. People were so upset. Um, they had little Arby's hats in them. I don't know. I didn't see the appeal. Whatever. <laughs> uh, we talked about Pathfinder 2nd Edition Remastered. That's coming out. Um, oh, and now the the Player's Handbook Unearthed Arcana. Did you get a chance to read this? Yeah, we kind of buried the lead here because that's yeah. the big news that this came out. This is the big news. <laughs> it's because it came out later. I've been updating this document yeah. over the past two weeks, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the biggest UA they put out. Let's just start there. 50 pages. Yeah. a ton of stuff so i've watched some of the videos on it i've i perused parts of it but i have not 
word for word read through all 50 pages yet. I'm working through it, but I haven't got there yet. It's it's a lot of design interesting differences. Like they're really taking some things in some different directions and trying some different things out. And, and you know, and that's the point of a playtest so is like, yeah. I, I like it when they go big and then they're like, okay, let's see how this is. Um, I was joking with our people on uh, Discord that they finally changed the Trident's damage die from a D6 to a D8 versatile to a D8, a D10 versatile, um, which is something that's always bothered me because I just feel like the Trident should be on par with a longsword. Um, and then I said, oh, the Trident isn't 2D4, 3D4, because that's my personal fix for the Trident. I like that it does, <laughs> uh, you know, because you have like... You have the battle axe that does 1d12, and then you have the greatsword that does 2d6. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if you have the spear that does this, but the trident does 2d4, 3d4? Like, I thought that'd be kind of fun. Um, and so I was like, the game's unplayable, guys. They haven't changed that. Like, it's unplayable. Uh, but so they're doing that. But the, one of the, the biggest thing, I guess, is uh, they are incorporating mastery. So when you... And, and again, I think they're making it too... Uh, swappable because the the fighter on a long rest I think can change his mastery to something else and I'm like I get it you found a new sword you want to change your mastery but I uh, I think part of the fun is like I don't know how to use that I'm a master of the axe so I will forego this magic blade I guess so you're gonna jump uh, into the class stuff first well well can, let me add something go ahead and then continue that thought so in this is weapons changes to actual weapons and equipment, which I thought was really big and different. Yeah. Spells, some changes to spells, some feats, and then five classes are featured in this one with some interesting, big some changes. of them significant yeah. changes. Yeah. So, okay, now continue. No, uh, so that, that's what I want to talk about. Like, the weapons didn't feel that different to me other than they have this mastery now, which is... If you are a master, if you have a weapon mastery in a particular weapon, like the club, mm -hmm. the mastery is slow. When you hit somebody with a club, there's a chance that the enemy's speed is reduced by 10 feet. And so that's kind of cool. And especially I like it with the, the bow and arrow or the crossbow, because it's like I, I picture someone charging at you and you're firing crossbows and it's slowing them down as they're trying to get towards you. Um, and it feels very thematic. And I like that a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. there was push, which is like, knock them down. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, Nick, I guess. Sap. Yeah. Graze, cleave. So cleave, uh, you can hit a second creature within five feet. Uh, flex, you can make, oh, you do, uh, versatile damage, even though you're holding it in one hand. So your longsword can do a D10 and you can still have a shield, I guess. Um, graze, you do a little bit of extra damage. Nick, you can raise make... on a miss, but oh, you on a still miss. could yeah. do some damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I like that one, but that's a, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, and then like push. What was sap? Sap. Oh, they have disadvantage on their next attack roll. So some really cool things. It's a lot to track, though. Do you think sure. I? I have friends that play fighters because it's easy. Like they want to just roll. Did I hit? Cool. And now it's like, I have to follow this. Like Jordan would like this kind of fighter, but I don't know mm -hmm. if, uh, you know, but I guess the original player's handbook is still there. Like whatever. And this yeah. is all playtest stuff. So here's what I like. 
but I let me preface that with Lucian is a tactical role player first and loves the nitty gritty of moving around and thinking about abilities and the combat is yeah. so exciting to me. Okay. I like this because I thought in 5e what we lost was that equipment really didn't matter. It didn't matter if I had a short sword. It really didn't matter if I had a long sword. There wasn't a ton of difference unless I was going to min-max damage in some way. Well, but you're right, because really... people, like, all thieves went with short swords because it's a D6 rather than a D4. And I was like, yeah. but you're a rogue. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter. I get the exact same bonuses, and this one does a D6. I'm never going to use a dagger. Yeah. You're like, oh. And there's no reason for you to maybe have more than one weapon, typically. You know, if you go back to the piercing, the bludgeoning, and the slashing. But even then, 5e is kind of just made equipment not as as thing. Whereas I remember D&D, equipment was the lifesaver because you never got a ton of abilities. You never got a lot of stuff until you made it in higher levels. So your equipment really did matter, you know, a lot. Whereas I just didn't feel like it mattered as much recently. So I now, agree, yeah. when I see these things that allow you to be more proactive if you wish to. Um, I like it, but I also know the danger is, could it slow combat down in some way? Because you're adding some complexity. Now there's some extra things here, but I guess in some ways it's just like adding a condition. So just like you learn the conditions of what happens to somebody, I'm guessing these are like a subclass of conditions that these weapons are going to do. And it's on the player to remember those pieces and not necessarily the dungeon master to remember that kind of thing. Well, but, and some of them we already know, like prone. It's like, okay, yeah, there's a prone condition. There's this, you know. Um, and especially that, that uh, was it Nick or Graze? Graze, where it's like, oh, I missed, but I do three damage. And then you like walk away. You're like, okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but you're right. I think um, weapons were not, or just equipment in general was not very important. Uh, but I like the aspect of, um, of I, I, I guess I want to lean into that more. And then going into the fighter aspect of it, where you can change your mastery every night, that I want you to be like, no, I'm the... I'm the great sword fighter. Like, this is what I was made to do. And so then you have, I want that interesting choice of like, well, here's a oh, magic brutal. short sword, but you don't get to do your cool great sword stuff because you're not good with that. And, and as you level, you can master other weapons. I kind of like that, but I really want you to be like, no, I'm the great sword fighter or I'm the, the, you know, rapier fencing fighter. Like, I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so. And I think a byproduct of, making equipment not really matter. And there's a lot of people that think equipment shouldn't matter at all. Like just take it out of the game. It just shouldn't even be there. <laughs> okay. But I think it also impacts because they're like, why, why track how many arrows we've got? Why track oh, how yeah, many yeah. rations? Why we j we're just, it's a different here. type we, of game when you're tracking we that. Need. But yeah. 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 Um, but because that's such, um, I think a, an unused portion of the game and they, they put barely anything to it it affected magic items too, I think. And it made magic items not as plentiful and, and interesting. And they didn't put a lot of time into them because obviously if equipment doesn't really necessarily matter, then magic items are a little, you know, 
it's your abilities and what you get at your class levels and what you can do when you multi-class or what yeah. that's where all of the power seems to have gone for 5e which is cool i love it i play it every week i love my characters i love building characters but i i do that's what i miss from 3.5 i miss that equipment mattered and and not for theme for what you could do for the way your character could be built and i mean just think of that fighter that had all the different weapons and reasons for it. Like I've got my ax, I've got my sword, I've got my, you know, all these things because I could, there's, there's going to be times where I need all that stuff. Whereas I don't find that as when I play my fighter now, I'm not switching gear very often. Yeah. You know? And I, I wonder if the original 5e plan was, you know, this monster is weak to piercing. So you are like, you're hitting them with your club and then you're like, okay, as a fighter, I'm going to pull out my spear and it's like, oh, now I can do extra damage. Um, but we never see that. It's always like this this creature is immune to this with non-magical yeah, weapons. Yeah. yeah. And then everybody's got a magic weapon because it's 5e. And so, but you don't treat it as a magic weapon. You treat it as I got a plus one because I have this sword. And yeah, it's so, I don't know. I, I like these changes. I just think that it will slow down the game because anytime you add complexity, it's going to slow down the game. Um, yeah. But I want to preface that with, that's not always a bad thing. Like, sometimes people really like big, epic combats. And if you uh, are the type of person that's like, hey, we have our, like, two little mini skirmishes that maybe I don't need to worry about this because the goblin's dead in a round anyway. But in the big fight, like, I want to make sure that this cultist cannot move 10 feet, you know, or I want to make sure that this guy's prone. Um, and that's where the synergy comes in, and, and that can be a lot of fun, so. Yeah. I will give you an example. In the fight where we're fighting Illithids and the big Illithid elder dude who has all kinds of things going on and Orogs and there's Ettons and everything's going on, we need every little piece of these things right now in our game so we don't die. <laughs> yeah. So I want them. I want them now. <laughs> I'm just thinking of uh, our warlock in my game at Nathan's is a new player and he's constantly like, oh, like, I have a bonus action. What can I do? And I'm like, not really anything. And he feels like he doesn't, oh, I'm wasting it. And it's like, well, you hexed him, but like, I don't know. And I wonder if it's going to turn into one of those things where people are like, okay, I've got seven weapons. Which one would be the best one? I better, oh, I don't know what ah, I think. And it's like, no, I wish that you had just chosen great sword at the very beginning. So you knew what you were going to do as opposed yeah. to now I can do it on the fly, but. I think these are for the min-maxer person. It so is. I think yeah. they're the person who's going to know and can't wait to tell the dungeon master, aha, I used my sword and it has slow and I use it on this guy. And guess what, dungeon master? Your guy can move five feet less or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever the rule is, because they're that, you know, but they're just ready because to use that you are just because this might be good for min-maxers doesn't mean that a new player, like, yeah. even now, a new player will be like, I'm going to pick up Wizard. And it's like, uh, you want to, really? And now you're like, oh, I have so many options. What do I do? You're when really you need, stuff. oh, I. that's why I liked Warlocks back in the day, because it's like, you've got two spell slots. You can do two things. What do you want to do? And instead of the Wizard, where it's like, uh, Fireball? I don't know, maybe. And so... Um, lots well, of spells. And with the warlock changes. Yeah, speaking of warlock, there's lots I mean, of changes. <laughs> big changes there. Too. Um, so there, we talked about this before. There's the new arcane spells, divine magic, and primal magic. So they're dividing spells up into these categories. Um, 
but yeah, the the and then there's some new uh spells that feel like abilities to me. Um like Book of Shadows, the can- conjuration cantrip for warlock. It takes an hour, but you conjure this book and now you have this book and stuff like that. Um I just feel like that should have been an ability, but maybe they're doing this to stop people from multi-classing or taking those like one or two level dips to get something. Uh, um, instead, it's like, no, you could just take a feat that would give you that. And now you don't have to do all these weird multi-classes. So there's probably a reason behind it. I don't know. Um, we'll see. But uh, the create... What about this one, Jordan? Create spell. You, well, create spell, like yeah. So <laughs> there was another one where it's like create spell, which is like uh, a modify... There's another thing called modify spell and memorize spell. Mm-hmm. And these are spells, which feels weird. Uh, but you can scribe them out. And so they're they're giving us a little more in-game mechanical tools to create your own spell. Uh, some people, like, I was talking to Ted about this, and he's like, oh, man, I can make, like, the, the world's best counterspell using this. And I was like, yeah. But, like, I, and again, we need Wizards of the Coast to sometimes tell us that it's okay to hack the game. But I was like, I've always been, like, I'm a wizard. By the time I'm, like, level five, I'm just like, I want to make my own spell. And mm-hmm. one of my favorites was Joshe's Conjured Weapon when I was playing Joshe the, yeah. the Conjuration Wizard. And I would, like, summon a big weapon, like a mallet, and hit him on the head, and then it would disappear. And it was just a fun, flavorful uh, spell that I could do, and I liked that. Um, but, yeah, you can create a, a, a new spell or modify an existing spell to do, like, a, a new effect. Like, you could have Fireball that's actually Acid Ball, which is kind of a, a cool idea. So... And I think I, I I think it's the coolest thing that they're letting. And like you said, we always could have done this. Your dungeon master always has creative control, and your players have creative control to work together and build these things. But I'm glad it's in there because we have all of those big B's hands. We have all these named spells that just make you think. Eventually, my wizard can be good enough that my wizard, my wizard was Vanguard. So eventually, Vanguard could have Vanguard Shield or something. Yeah. And- feel more immersed in the world you feel more connected when you can do something like that from the wizard standpoint and like i just love that i love that it's in there and that it's it's available i mean how i guess this is how i think is like if i'm running a game in my home world and we'll use vanguard and and joshe and like Mm -hmm. joshe creates joshe joshe's conjured weapon and vanguard like maybe you make a magical item that is like vanguard shield and then mm-hmm. when I start a new campaign and it's like 200 years later, it's like some adventurers find this mysterious relic of Vanguard's cool. shield. Like that's cool and has always been a possibility in the game. But mm-hmm. um, now maybe it'll happen more so, you know, like I, I love the name of giving my spell a name that it's like I, I created yeah. the spell. So, yeah. Yeah. I even love the idea that you were a conjuration wizard. They did such a great job on this. And mine, I, I did the war wizard subclass yeah. and i made my guy a really kind of front line throw up a shield around him but he's in the thick of it fighting wizard as much as i could with all the spells i could that could support that mm-hmm. and it would be cool that josh is a wizard too but those two characters are very different they're wizards yeah. but they're very different and they they would just fit into the fantasy world really well and not just be oh we've got three warlocks well they all kind of play the same or we got three barbarians they're all kind of the same i love that 5e gave us all these options to really help us 
create different identities for this, the classes that we're playing. Yeah, my great Modron March game, uh, like Ted and Lex have very different wizards, and they're both wizards. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Interesting that Find Familiar is a spell on here, but also the uh, Pact Familiar, or what is it? Yeah, Pact Familiar is a warlock spell mm -hmm. that... I guess just allows you to have aberrations and celestials and dragons instead of maybe just like the cat. I don't know. Um, or undead. Yeah, I guess you get undead. Sorry. Listed there. Skull or That's shadow. Cool. Oh yeah. Skull flo floating around you. That'd be really fun. Um, kind of Dresden files ish. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of these spells like packed weapon, a lot of these, if you can pick them up with feats, this'll really open up a lot of uh different play styles i think it'll be kind of interesting yeah. well jeremy crawford said something really interesting in the in the video out on the channel that when he was talking about warlock is that you picked your subclass at level one with warlock so you never really if you if you started at level one you never played as the warlock first got used to being what a warlock is and then the subclass comes in and, and refines or, or specializes you in some way. Yeah. You were always just, you know, a fey, a fiend, or, you know, whatever the ones that she would have picked at that uh, great old one, you know, warlock. And I thought it sounded really cool that they wanted to remind players and, and show them that warlock is the class and it has lots of cool features to it. Your subclass has cool stuff too, but they want to make sure that warlock has more of an impact because it it you never felt like you were a warlock plus something you you always felt like you were just that one thing so i thought mm -hmm. that was interesting because they want to move where you pick your in your thing but they want you to be able to do things right from first level also that still make you feel like a warlock and what is a warlock compared to a wizard compared to a sorcerer and how are they different you know the more academic version of magic and you're finding magic and using the weave to do things and you're using knowledge that's been out there, but the sorcerer is about magic that's within and you're, you're trying to craft or, or change how that is. And that's why it's different than the wizard or say the warlock and the warlock and the patron wasn't doing a ton in warlock games. And they want to make that more of, of the piece. So I think that when they go back and they look at these classes, I love how they're trying to think about the classes and how to really revitalize them in some ways um, go and watch the video because whenever I listen to Jeremy Crawford talk about, yeah, he's got a like, lot of good points and and God, it's so he does a really good job. I think they were smart releasing this that video before Absolutely. they released the UA. At the time, I was upset because I watched the video and I'm like, "Where's the thing?" But I also wonder if they get a lot of people who, oh, I don't need to watch that. I'll just jump over to reading it, you know, because they release it yeah. at the same time. And this was like, no, that was smart because you got to hear his design choices before you started reading it. So that was good. Um, yeah. But no, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot reading uh, DCC Dying Earth. Go ahead and take a drink. Uh, they have the magician, which feels like a regular Vancean wizard in, in Dungeons and Dragons 5e. It feels like a wizard in 5e because you have spell slots and you spell learn slots, them. Yeah. Has very... Uh, you know the outcome of the spell you're about to cast. Um, and then the traditional DCC wizard feels kind of like a sorcerer where there's spells within you, but when you cast Meta it, magic. you're not entirely sure how it's going to happen. Like, am I going to do a lot of damage, a little? I don't, am I going to teleport? Am I going to turn into something? But like the magic is there. 
And then also in Dungeon Crawl Classics Dying Earth is uh, the witch. And the witch feels like a warlock. You make a pact with something and you get these weird curses that you can put onto people. Um, And it's weird where I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'm just a big DCC fanboy at this point. But I'm like, I feel like you're doing the different types of magic better than 5e. Because, like, 5e, everybody's got spell slots. You know, a sorcerer feels like a warlock, feels like a wizard. Not necessarily in this UA, but just in the past. And I was reading Mm. that, and I'm like, these feel so different and so Mm. thematic. And a witch is more akin to a cleric than it is a wizard. Because you're getting your magic from, like, an otherworldly being. So, Mm -hmm. videos uh, coming soon whenever I get time to record them. But I, I made one DCC video already and I plan to go through because I have a lot of thoughts on all of these different classes. So it's pretty cool. Um, but I do like the sorcerer changes that you are like, you have this wellspring of magic within you rather than like, I've learned to manipulate the weave as a wizard. And it feels like a lot of the sorcerer things they added in this UA are, I can just kind of, ah, chaos. And I, I like that. It made me think of, uh, the Scarlet Witch. And I'm like, I feel like she is a good sorcerer in comparison to Doctor Strange, who would who feels to me like a wizard, you know? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then and lots like of that. lots of feats. Go ahead, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yep, keep going. I'll, get, I'll uh, wait till you get to classes. As no, you're just fine. There. Lots of feats. I don't really want to touch on them. There's just there's a lot there. Uh but then classes. We can start there. Yeah. Talk about barbarians. Well, what I liked is my group, whenever these come out, they always look at them. And so we have a barbarian. And so I think of, are these cool? Did my barbarian like them? And he's like, I like some of the things I'm reading. You know, we were looking at um, the fighter. I like, I'm the fighter arcane archer. I like some of the things they were talking about in the fighter here. I was like already wanting to try some of these things out. Um, we don't have a sorcerer. So I'm interested to hear somebody who plays sorcerer a lot if they liked some of the changes of sorcerer because they really talked about, you know, changing it so it felt more like your magic really kind of in was like you uh, embodied what you did and really try to make it different than like you said the Vancean style of the wizard, which I think is the wizard should have been the Vancean guy, and I like yeah, and you just described it. Whereas the they really could have went a different direction with the other ones and not made them Vancean, but. You know, I think we're starting to get a little bit of that with this. Not quite yet, but, you know, there's still like, more to it. It feels weird to me that a sorcerer would be able to cast, um, like, uh, Liamin's Tiny Hut. I'm like, why would a sorcerer be able to do that, you know? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel very raw magic. And I guess I'm going to go back to my um, Scarlet Witch thing, where I'm like, it feels like the the Scarlet Witch can cast Charm Person. It just looks really different than uh, Doctor Strange casting Charm Person. You know, the Scarlet Witch is like mm-hmm. in your brain doing weird magical stuff. Doesn't really understand how she's casting it, but she's casting it. So I think a lot of my problems with the Sorcerer can be changed into maybe this spell can be uh, described better and it'll work better kind of a thing. But then with this, it, it almost is like you, especially with the Draconic Sorcerer, which is the subclass we got, um, it is very much like, uh, boy, I've got this Draconic Heritage. Magic is just in my bones. And not the metamagic so much, but like 
the elemental affinity, like I can change stuff, I can do this, I can manipulate a spell to be a cone like a dragon rather than being um, just a, a whatever. Yeah, I don't know. And so it's like, yeah, you have this sorceress burst. You can exhale it at a 15-foot cone rather than selecting a single target. And I don't know, there was just cool things like that, that this this sorcerer feels a lot better. I did play a sorcerer only up to level six. Uh, that was Espen. And even when I was playing that, I liked the the thematic of, of uh, I was a draconic sorcerer and I liked the, the thematic of it where I had a lot of fire spells and everything was fire related. And looking at this, I'm like, I feel like I can take all of that fire related energy and bump it up even another notch. And so now mm. it's like, I'm encouraged to take more fire based spells because of my fire synergy. And I like that. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I like that they changed. What was it? careful spell they they merged a couple of meta magics for the better a lot of this is quality of life yeah. changes that's how i felt about the barbarian yeah. where i looked at it and i'm like yeah. well that just makes sense and it makes it play better you know <laughs> yeah and it was they they looked at stuff because they they've been doing the surveys and they were looking at the things that people use a lot and then they were saying well what don't what does nobody use well why don't we look at that and figure out either yeah. remove it because if nobody's using it shouldn't be there. It takes up space or could it be changed into something that is yeah. useful or should it just be something that's removed? Or so if they never take it because they feel compelled to take this because they have yeah. to like be good. There's only know? one good yeah. choice. They it's hate like, that. I have to take to have Eldritch blast. blast and then, Oh, look what they did. They made Eldritch blast just part of the part of mm -hmm. the features, you know, or hex hex is just part of a warlock now as opposed mm -hmm. to, well, I, I have to take it because you know, otherwise I can't do I the damage I'm supposed to do. And so, yeah. Cause they redid some like Eldritch invocations. They mm -hmm. were touching those up, you know, and they've done this for all the subclasses. So I think it's interesting. I can't wait to see. They touched on a lot of the classes that I play. So uh, they were all really cool to me. They, a lot of the ones I I'm interested to see what the other classes will look like, but I don't play them as much. Like I don't play Paladin very much. I haven't played Rogue very much, Thief very much. I haven't played Druid very much, but I'm still interested to see how they go and take a look at those ones. Ranger. Oh, I can't wait for a Ranger revised. I'm very excited edition. for the, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like Rangers a lot and I'm, I'm interested in where they're going to go. Um, especially with, you know, this one had an emphasis on, not this one particularly, but we got updated rules for summoned uh, monsters. Like, Summon mm -hmm. Aberration, Summon Elemental, where everything kind of plays off of your level and your proficiency bonus. With uh, Rangers, I wonder how they're going to start doing the Animal Companion, you know, because I'm a big fan of pet classes, and I'll be interested to see how it works, so. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot. There's it's a big There's a lot in here, 50 yeah. pages. Um, and we haven't oh. even talked. I think the least touched was the Wizard, but they even got a bunch of extra stuff. Um, something I just put in my head right now, put together, is that Eldritch invocations are just feats for warlocks. Like, I wonder how that system will change when there are feats. And maybe you just need to change Eldritch invocations into, this is a feat only a warlock can take. Like, a level 5 warlock can only take this feat. And get rid of the whole Eldritch invocation in general. Because... Mm -hmm. 
Uh, they're cool, but the more I think about it, I'm like, they're just feats, but they're specific feats. Yeah. That's weird, you know? <laughs> it almost should be like patron boons. Yeah. Because the only person that's going to get patron boons are going to be the warlock. Yeah. And nobody else would be able to get that. And then they should be themed, I think, in, in the version of the, yeah you know, those. That would be, a, I think, a great way to go for them. Because I, I think what you just said was definitely true for sure. They did a really cool thing with... Uh... Is it Mistress or Mysterium uh, Mystic Arcanum? So <laughs> uh, before they always had these really dumb name—not dumb, but just like long names—for a Eldritch invocation that gave you the ability to use a spell. And they got rid of all of those and replaced it with one called Mystic Arcanum. And you can take this multiple times, and when you take it, you can take—you can gain a spell. And I was like, that's so much better. So it's like, if I am a level seven warlock, I can take Mystic Arcanum to have the ability to cast any fourth level spell. And then it's up to the player to kind of take a spell that feels right for them, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anyway. I agree, because I think I think a lot of people will do those dips to get just uh, one or two things exactly and if you can give those one or two things in a feat somehow yeah now we don't have to have the convoluted you know multi-class which i'm a uh dive straight yeah. into with my guy and it's complicated because of the the different hit points that they can have and the all the stuff and how they level up and then what spell levels work with what because you have two different spell casting it's a lot to go into and it makes it overly complicated than it has to so yeah i i agree if they can move that into the feats mm -hmm. and make it so we don't need to dip into warlock to get this thing or to dip and then into you can barbarian. still play it you know however you yeah. want you know you could be like hey i'm a level eight fighter but i took this weird feat that gives me um like a, a third eye or something and I even like the, uh, and so, you know, you could see in, in darkness, like, and that's a warlock thing that you can do. Um, I'm making this up. I don't know if it's an actual thing, but uh, I like that. And then I'm even thinking like as a dungeon master, I want to hand out feats based on what happened in the game. So like we finish an epic fight and it's like, you know what? You're getting really good with that sword. Here's your mastery feat. Like the players don't get to pick them, but based on what happens. And then it's like, oh, the, the Raven Queen brought you back to life. You get this cool feat where you can now speak to dead because of that. Like uh, handing them out as rewards, I really like. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see where this goes. But boy, yeah, it's a lot. Read it, save it, keep it forever. So you have this, you know, um, yeah. Uh, real quick before, cause we're at time, but, um, the people that made the art and arcana book, which was like a, a coffee table book about D and D mm -hmm. it's really cool. If you like the history of D and D, those people are making another one, which is basically the history of five E and like its impact on society and culture and how it's grown from 2014. And it's called lore and legends. Uh, it's pre-order right now, but I think it's going to be really awesome. Uh, Keith Baker presents is their in is their publishing company that Keith Baker was part of where he made a lot of the DM skilled supplements and they're shutting it down. I'm not entirely sure why they're shutting down other than maybe Eberron is not in the spotlight as much as it used to be. I don't know how well those books are selling on the DM skilled, but I think the OGL debacle had a big part of that where I think Keith Baker realized mm -hmm. 
you know, the more I create for Eberron, I'm just helping Wizards of the Coast. I'm never helping me because I can never do what I want to do with Eberron. Um, and so I think this was an experiment, but they're shutting down. They had a really sad tweet and it's just kind of like, okay, we're done. <laughs> um, and then you found this Lucian, which was really cool. There was a Guinness World Record about 1,200 yeah. consecutive D&D players. 1,227, I think, yeah. is the record right now that me and Jordan are now planning to beat. No, <laughs> but yeah, they play. It was the single largest game. Yeah, they had a. And so when we say master. single game, like there were multiple tables, and they were all battling a giant fight against Vecna, and then there were people that I've never played like this, but there were people in the room that were like, okay, did you win? Did you do this? And they would report back to like the runners, yeah. the runners. And then the runners are tallying like how well the overall fight is going. And I was like, that's cool. But it was in a mall in Provo, Utah, which is just a little yeah. North of Salt Lake, I think maybe South. Uh, and then, yeah, they had 1200 people who all, I guess he, the guy did this before and he only had 500 people. But now it's also gotten, you know, D&D is more popular and it's your second yeah. time doing it. So, And I think the record yeah. before that was like 667 or 600 or something. Yeah. So he, he kind of doubled the record. So it'll be interesting to see. And it's a Guinness Book World Record. Yeah. It's not just like we're just saying it. I feel like, like you could do this doing. at Gen Con so Kinda easy. Cool. Like you're just like, yeah. like if Wizards of the Coast rolled in and they're like, all right, guys, we're going to bat. Oh, and this was a battle against Vecna, I guess I should say. But it's like, all right, guys, we're going to battle Vecna and just get like, hundreds of people playing i bet you could break mm -hmm. this at gen con so easy but still i think it's really cool it's uh this guy's uh he runs a gaming store in the provo town center mall and so that's where mm -hmm. they had it i remember this place as a child because i went there for a pokemon tournament when i was like 14 or 15 so i was like oh, nice. i remember this mall back in back <laughs> in the day um it was kind of cool that it's still there and they're doing nerdy stuff there so i wonder Super if we could fun. reach out to him and come on the show as a interview yeah just probably about how they did it and what they did and you know what what it was like because that'd be interesting to understand from a dungeon master perspective you're running hundreds of tables oh. that have probably dms at them you have runners coming up to an overall dm who's trying to manage the whole thing but it sounds cool you know <laughs> yeah i've never ran uh or i've never been a part of um like epic things like that and so I, I don't know. I'm curious, too, how it would work. Uh, yeah. But they must have a formula. And so, I don't know. But we'll see. Fair kind enough. of fun. Lots of tables. Uh, they were all there at the mall playing, which is kind of the cool thing. Um, so, yeah. that That's our show. Uh, we'll talk thanks about our so talking much. point next week. Or, no, we, we won't be here next week. That's right. Um, we so, won't. we'll try to figure out something there. Uh I am going to be on Goodman Games Twitch tomorrow uh, at 3 Pacific, I think. Um, I got invited to play in an X-Crawl game, which is um, nice. a, a version of DCC called X-Crawl. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what I'm playing. I think we're level one. I've never played X-Crawl, but I, it's DCC, so I should be okay. But you should check me out there on um, Goodman Games' Twitch Uh that's going to be really fun. Bob, World Builder Bob's going to be there, and Lex. We're going to have fun. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's a crew. <laughs> That'll be good. Uh, anything else, sir, before we take off? 
we had so much, but that's our show. You know, you know, how there's a goes. lot of news. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. we were, we were back, uh, backed up on news and I was like, oh, that's a UA yeah. that's going to take forever. But, uh, <laughs> uh, again, you guys can follow us on social media. I'm Jordan with a pH in the middle on all of the social medias, except telegram. I'm not there. If I ever contact you on telegram, that is a scam. Don't, don't that do it. <laughs> that is not me. Um, and I will never contact you. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, we have, uh, I have the Patreon. Um, and if you are curious, I've been working on my, um, D12 12 RPG system that I've been working on. Um, I was working on that. Oh, during the week. And I'm going to upload another updated document to, because what's better than one D six, two, together to be one D 12. Yeah. Um, no, it's weird. I get really excited about modular D six and I'll work on that for a little bit. And then something will inspire me while I'm writing that I'm like, that actually would work better for Tolve. And so then I'll run over and I'll start writing on Tolve. Uh, and I go back and forth a lot. It's, but it's fun. It's all for fun. So yeah. Yeah. But if you're curious, I update things there. I'm also going to download a lot of the, or get the great Modron March, um, podcast through the patreon uh i've been severely behind on that but things are things are happening in my house in life so there you go <laughs> um that's it ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for watching we will see you all not next week but another week after that maybe we'll see <laughs> as summer hits we're all getting really busy but we'll try to catch you the next time on the saturday morning rpg show take care everybody Bye.